Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 100 of the podcast. It's the 29th of November, 2017, as I record this intro. And yay for episode 100. <laughs> it's been a great ride. Both more work and more joy than I envisioned starting out. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I thought I'd take this opportunity to reflect a bit on the podcast and on my unschooling work in general. So with my youngest, Michael, turning 20 this year, I began to feel like I should be moving away from writing and talking about unschooling. You know, won't I look silly clinging to something that I'm no longer even actively doing? That's been buzzing around for a while, so last month when we were on vacation, I took a long walk on the beach and contemplated my next steps. And you know what I realized? I still find unschooling fascinating. I think it's because at the root of it all, it's about being human. It's about living an engaged life. We are all learning and growing throughout our lives. And to grant that agency to our children and to ourselves is such a valuable gift. And then I started thinking, what if, instead of distancing myself from unschooling, I dove deep into my obsession with it? And the thought of that was so freeing and exciting. <laughs> I was practically skipping down the beach at this point. And all of a sudden, my mind was swirling with all the different ways I could connect unschooling information with people curious to learn more about it. So since I returned home a month ago without that cloud of you should move on weighing me down, I've been contemplating what I'd love my unschooling work to focus on. And that's what I want to share with you today. So first, I want to publicly commit to producing another 100 episodes of the podcast, and I really hope you'll join me for the journey, definitely as a listener and possibly as a Patreon supporter, if that's something that feels good to you. The Patreon support over the last year has been amazing. Thank you guys so much. Your support now covers the hosting and transcription costs, and it would be wonderful to begin covering some of the many hours that I dedicate to this work each month. I also commit to continue writing about unschooling, not only with the Unschooling Journey book I have coming out in the next couple of months, but more books, articles, and blog posts. And not only my own writing. So weaving together my passions for unschooling, writing, and publishing, I'm excited to officially announce the creation of Forever Curious Press, an independent small press focused on books about unschooling. This is something I've contemplated for a while, and it feels great to dive in with both feet now. <laughs> See, over the years, I noticed experienced unschooling parents who were interested in writing a book to share their knowledge and insights but they weren't particularly interested in learning the ins and outs of both print book and ebook production, nor in keeping on top of the rapidly changing world of publishing. Completely understandable. Yet, it's meant that some great books about unschooling are not widely available in the formats today's readers are looking for. And with Forever Curious Press, I'm thrilled to open up that pathway to seamlessly connect solid unschooling books with people curious to learn more about unschooling. So I've now got the website set up, forevercuriouspress.com, and the first book being published is the ebook edition of Homeschooled Teens by Sue Patterson. A few years ago, she conducted a detailed survey and collated the results so we could find out firsthand what 75 teens and young adults have to say about their experience being homeschooled through the middle and teen years. I spoke with Sue about the book last year on the podcast, and I'm happy to be working with her to bring out the ebook edition. We're completing the last steps of production right now, and it will be available soon. And I also commit to regularly running the Childhood Redefined Online Unschooling Summit. 
We opened it for the first time in September, and the feedback from the first group has been wonderful. And connecting with them and answering their questions in the private Facebook group has been an amazing experience. One of the huge benefits of having the Summit content online is that it's completely self-paced, but we chose to close the registration so that we could focus our efforts on supporting the participants as they work through the content. So that means we'll be opening up registration for the next session early in the new year. So if you're curious to learn more about it, you can check out the website at childhoodredefined.com. So between the podcast, the books, and the summit, I've built various ways to share unschooling information so that people can learn and engage in the ways that they prefer. But what I really want to know is how can I help you on your unschooling journey? To answer that, I've put together a short survey and I would love if you would participate. It will take less than five minutes of your time and give me some solid information about how I can best help you. I'll put the link in the show notes and keep the survey open for two weeks. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I think that's about everything that's been swirling around in my head the last month or so. Thanks so much for being here for episode 100. And if you have a chance to check out the image card for the episode, please do. You'll see the wonderful picture that Anne and Anna surprised me with to celebrate this milestone. I thank them so much for being a special part of my journey. And best wishes to you all as you continue on your unschooling journey. I am humbled to be invited to travel beside you. Thank you. And now, finally, let's get to your questions. Welcome to another Q&A episode. I'm Pam Laricchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and I'm so happy to be joined again by Ann Oman and Anna Brown. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. We have some great questions this month, and would you like to get us started, Ann? Okay. Our first question is from Jen in Florida, and she writes, I'm curious about your thoughts on bringing up and discussing difficult topics and beliefs with very young children. Here's what happened today, though it's not the first time I've thought about it. My son, two years old, got a Lego Peter Pan set as a gift a while ago. He loves playing with the Peter Pan and crocodile figurines, so we thought he might enjoy seeing the movie, which he did. But the movie has lots of racist and sexist ideas in it, and I wanted to let him know that I don't agree with those things about it, but I also don't want to give him a lecture he's not interested in. He's so young that he doesn't really have the language for in-depth discussions of these things. After the movie tonight, I asked what he thought, and he just said, there's a crocodile in there. So I'm curious how you would share thoughts about something like racism and sexism and outdated stereotypes. During the movie, when it's happening, after it's over, not at all if the child doesn't seem to have noticed it. I've thought about this in other contexts, like in stories when adults are dismissive of children or use punitive discipline, etc. It's so frequent that what I believe about parenting and about people differs from mainstream that I feel like I need to put my voice in there to keep my son from getting all his ideas about social norms from sources I don't agree with. Thanks for your thoughts and ideas. Okay. Hi, Jen. I so hear you. And I'm sure most everybody listening to this podcast hears you too, because we're all here on this radical unschooling path because we reject much of mainstream society's stories and beliefs. And I just want you to know that you can just breathe. (laughs) There is no urgency with this. And here's why. First of all, your son is two, and he's over here in life really loving so many things. He's enjoying what's in front of him, and you know what? He wants you to see the things that he loves from his eyes. He wants to delight in that crocodile with you, and so where are you? Are you way over here, far away from him, holding on to a fear and maybe holding on to disapproving energy, judging this thing that your son is finding such delight in? Can you feel that great divide that you might be creating? Um, You know, my journey to waking up to mainstream society stories was pushed into high gear with my firstborn son right off the bat. 
he was born and he cried and the nurses told me they'd take care of him, that I needed rest. So they took him away from me. And when they brought him back, I told them they were never taking him away again. And I did not let him go again or put him down again until he was about three and asked me to please put him down. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my introduction to attachment parenting. My mothering instinct to listen to and follow my child's innate knowing in what he needs. And that innate knowing of my son's has been protected and valued and nurtured and celebrated. And he's 27 now. And it also allowed me to question absolutely everything I've been handed all my life by mainstream society. And that's what we do, right? As radical unschoolers, we question things. And we have said, uh, wait, it's not true that all children have to go to school to learn. And if you think about it, isn't it our children that brought us to that place of knowing that truth? So I immediately recognized that the greatest opportunity for growth and awareness in my life was to listen to and follow and learn from my children. Uh, Yeah, I felt I had a few things that I could share with them too, but I understood that that was not my real purpose here as their mother. My real purpose is to protect respect, trust, follow, and celebrate my children's innate knowing and allow it to continue to shape who they are and the choices they make and the paths they will take. And so in doing that, it is not my place to hand them things that I think I know from my own life experiences and definitions and beliefs. If I were to hand them all the things that are mine, then that would not allow them the space to know what is truly theirs And along with handing them those things, there's often the expectation that they take these things and believe them for themselves, even though they didn't come from the child's own life experiences and definitions and their ponderings and their questions and their answers. And think about that. Isn't that what schools do? And isn't that the thing that we didn't want for our children, for them to believe and own anything that was handed to them outside of their own heart? And so here you are in your life with your beautiful son, and you have already chosen to not buy into mainstream society's untruths about so many things. You are already living this life of freedom from society's expectations to buy into their story. So you can really let go of this urgency you're feeling to alert him to all of these injustices that are around him and hiding in the very things he's finding enjoyment from. You're not sending him to school. You're creating a life with him where he has allowed this glorious sacred space to listen to his own inner voice and come to answers that feel right to him in his own time and in his own way. And, you know, you'll be having conversations about absolutely everything. As you said, he's so young right now that it's not a a place to have these conversations. Um, But they will come up during these amazing years that you'll be spending together, exploring the world, following your child and his heart and his observations and his questions and the answers that he comes up with from his amazing innate knowingness. And those conversations, uh, you know, they're awesome. <laughs> they're, uh, ours were mutually respective partnership, you know. Um, the child observes and you both uh, discuss. Child shares how he feels. I would validate how my child felt. And the really cool part is when the child gets to kind of file that conversation away. He gets to ponder again on that at a later time when he needs it, when something else comes up. Um, and brings up the same feelings and he revisits what he already felt about it before and what you discussed about it and he'll add on to that what he's feeling now and you'll have more conversations and again and again all at his different levels of awareness and the cool thing is life is so glorious and it gives us exactly the right opportunities for growing and stretching and learning and pondering right when we need them so That's why we don't need to hand our kids this stuff before they have a need for them and before they feel it themselves. So, And your son may witness something while you're out and about that doesn't feel right to him and he want to talk about it. Or maybe you'll notice that he feels upset about something that he witnessed and you'll want to ask him and help him move through the uncomfortable feelings. You will read books together that will have mainstream parenting ideas and many other things that bring up questions and concerns and discomfort, and you'll be talking about all of that. 
because he will have an idea of how loving parents act and he will have an idea of how to treat other human beings with respect. And you know where that comes from? <laughs> because of this glorious free life with you where you show him how a loving parent is and you treat him with deep respect and this is his foundation. So from this glorious foundation that you are creating together with this space for him to learn and grow and be, you can trust that he will voice his opinions and concerns and perhaps outrage and upset over something that does not feel right to him because it's not in alignment with the love and respect and truth that he knows and has been living with his family. And so for today, uh, I just feel it's important for you to take note of this great divide that your urgency to enlighten him could create in your relationship and realize that, you know, his level of awareness right now, it's that crocodile. <laughs> and he's simply inviting you into his glorious world of enjoying that crocodile with him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that simple right now. Isn't that a wonderful relief? <laughs> Pam? <laughs> yeah, that, that's beautiful. And I just want to echo that there are going to be so many moments for these conversations to percolate and to happen. We don't need to uh, hide our children from, you know, these social norms, these expectations, nor overpower them unasked um, with our perspective in the moment. Um they're going to see us over those years, you know, as Anne was talking about, they're going to see us make um, so many observations observations, and, and choices for our own lives um, that will make our perspective uh, clear on things because we're living our choices with them right beside us. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing too, right? Um I think just the most important thing to emphasize is just to be willing and open to taking that time to have those conversations when they're sparked. Um, you know, like Anne said, when they're out and about and they notice something or something's bothering them and they're not quite sure what. That's the time that we have in our unschooling lives. And it's just important um, to use those sparks and dive into the conversations with them and realize that sometimes those conversations may feel challenging. They may feel uncomfortable, um, but that's okay. Take that time. Um, you know, and remembering it's okay to say, I don't know, let's, let's find out. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, but also it, it's, that's, it's not the whole sit down, I need to, you know, share this and, and, and explain this and convince you. No, it's, it's following those conversations and moments in our lives because that's when it makes the strongest connection for them, right? Is when it's something that relates to their, to their lives and, and to that moment. And that's when the conversations are so beautiful and amazing. And, and those moments come up so often when you're looking over the years, right? As Anne said, he's just two right now. And the most important thing is connecting with him where he is in that moment. So right now with that crocodile, um, but just being there and living beside him. And, and you know, if this is something that's important to you, um, you will notice when those things come those um, conversations, opportunities come up, you know, there may be other things that that you won't notice as they flow through. But that's, you know, uh, we're unique beings living together. And, and those are the things that we connect through, right? Um, so I think, I think that's just the biggest thing. I'll also share a link to my blog post, like Anne was talking about the consequences like that, if you um, focus too much on and try to bring your strong relief uh, strong beliefs into the conversation um, on purpose with without it flowing the kinds of consequences that that can have. So I have a blog post talking about that and I'll put that link in the show notes. Anna. Okay. So yeah, saying very similar to what you guys are saying. And, and, and I feel like it's something that we've talked about a lot is just, I don't want to add weight to what my child is enjoying and when they're enjoying something, I don't want to come in there with this baggage and weight. And I found, especially with young children, and like we've said, your child is so young, is that they take in what interests them at their own level. 
so like your son said, interested in the crocodile. And, and that that was what brought him joy. And I think you'll find, especially in the early years, how you treat him and how your family treats each other will be a much stronger message than any book or television show. Those are just stories and television. And if what they know at home is love, compassion, kindness, that will be their foundation. And, and I will say that I purposely chose older books when I found, because I found that they were kinder and had sibling relationships that more closely look like our home. Newer books tended to have a lot about school and bullying and siblings hating each other. And that just didn't really resonate for us, especially when they were very young. So, you know, books like that came along later and then we had lots of great discussions, but, you know, you can be purposeful about things too and find lots of wonderful books and shows. Um, I also found, like Pam and Ambo said, that all of the issues that you're concerned about, we have talked about and talked about over the years, but they came up naturally in conversation related to something that they were exposed to or saw or heard, and then they wanted to talk. They really did initiate those conversations, and they started to see that we did things differently, and they had questions about that, and why wouldn't somebody be kind to their child in that situation at the store or whatever they were exposed to? You know, now all the time, you know, we have political chats and sharing ideas about what we see in the world. And they talk about what they want to do going forward with friends and ultimately if they have a family and those type of things. So there's so much rich time for discussion in our unschooling lives. And I feel like kids are influenced by our actions and how we move in the world. So those are things that you can be intentional about now from, you know, from the beginning. Um, but yeah, let him enjoy the show and delight in the things that spark an interest for him because nobody really wants to be excited about something and come to someone and then have them sit down and, and have a lecture about all the problems in the world, you know, that just handing that weight when I was bringing something of joy to you. So see that joy and spark in his eye. Focus on the fun and connection and trust that there's plenty of time to talk about ideas as they become relevant and important to your child. And those conversations will come and they will be amazing for you both. Just like Anne said, we've had the richest, most interesting conversations and I've loved watching them develop perspectives that you know, are similar and you can see that they came from our family, but yet so different too. And, and, and I've learned so much. And so I just think you have all of that richness ahead. So it'll be, it'll be fun. <laughs> I just want to, um, Jessica, recommend a movie that maybe you could get to watch yourself if you don't already, haven't already seen it. It's My Neighbor Totoro mm. um, by Miyazaki. And it is um, much, many of his movies are just wonderful for, uh, little kids and they show beautiful real family relationships and yes. um, not so much the American version of uh, encouraging sibling rivalry and right. disrespect and everything. So if you got that for yourself and sat down and watched it, uh, you know, maybe your child would enjoy it. My, Jacob fell in love with it before he was two years old and still uh, you know, it's been Miyazaki since then. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. And isn't that part of the fun of the journey, too, is finding these more unconventional resources and, and right. art and, and like, shows. And oh, it's been I've loved that part of the journey. And it, it, you and you just relax, you know, your whole being relaxed because it's they're more like us. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and so this feels right. This feels real. And we're loving this so much. And so very cool. I will. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Pam. I was just going to say that on our vacation in Florida, <laughs> we went to Epcot and in the Japan world, in that store, I mean, that that was where we spent our largest chunk of the whole day oh. was in the Miyazaki yeah. animation yeah, section. Exactly. That's where we had so many connections and they just loved loved it so much and that is the only place we got souvenirs really yeah. <laughs> where's my Totoro souvenir yeah. in the mail dear <laughs> okay so I'm going to go ahead on to question two which is from Jessica in Ireland so let me start by saying how much I appreciate the work you three are doing. We would definitely not be as far along on our unschooling journey without you. We certainly wouldn't be de-schooling with as much joy and kindness without your frequent gentle reminders. I am so grateful for you three women. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, I have three beautiful children, an 18-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old son, and th a three-year-old son. I also have a wonderful, handsome, supportive, if kind of skeptical of unschooling husband. I am an American who moved to Ireland at age 20, met my husband, and have been here for 20 years. I have no family here and not very supportive in-laws. It is a tiny community, and I will always be an outsider. I was told as a child I was too sensitive, too dramatic, cried too much. I spent my 20s trying to be perfect, so afraid to make a mistake, my mother-in-law looking for any reason to speak unkindly about me to my husband. I had no guidance except my own, and I had been told mine was lacking. I second-guessed every move I made. 20 years ago, it was very expensive for me to phone my mother or sister for support. I did it sometimes, but with guilt over the cost. There was no Skype or FaceTime. I was very isolated and lonely. My husband and I stumbled through many obstacles and have made it through the other side, stronger with a much better relationship. However, my daughter was born during this time with a mother who is angry, lonely, never good enough in my own eyes. I slowly got better and she grew with me. I say we grew up together, but she lived through harsh, unkind times. My older son is the one who brought me first brought me to homeschooling and then unschooling. We've been completely de-schooling since May. His story is for another day. Today, I'm concerned about my daughter. She went to school all the way through. Her high school years were absolutely awful. She was so desperately unhappy. I had no idea I could bring her home. I finally offered to homeschool, unschool her last year of school because that's when we found it and started our journey, but she declined because she had come so far she might as well finish. We have always had a very open relationship, even when I was being the authority in the house, but here is my question. She was out of the house working and spending time with friends most of this past summer and now has gone to college in the big city of Dublin. We haven't seen her very much in all of these months that she has been mostly away. The home lives and personalities of my son, husband, and myself have shifted so drastically for the better as we move deeper into unschooling. We are different people. It's wonderful, but I feel she has been shortchanged. She missed it all. There's no do-over. I can't change the past, but how do I make the future better? She is going through so much change, new college classes. She's going to an acting school and loves it, new places to live, a big city to learn to navigate, a new job, etc. Now I, her mother, her rock, have changed too, for the better, but I'm not the same person. She is needing to relearn how our relationship works too. It's just so much. She is very sweet and good and just giving everything to this new chapter of her life. I am kind to her, supportive, help her with any problem she encounters. She frequently calls and asks for my help, and I use those opportunities to show her how amazing she is. Our relationship is good. I wonder what more I can do for her. She struggles with anxiety over making mistakes and the need to be perfect. She got this from watching me. She gets panic attacks and has a hard time making decisions. It's like her brain freezes and fear takes over. I would love for her to be free of this and I realize it takes time. Do you have any suggestions of other things I could do to help? She is slowly trusting the new ways. She sees how much better things are and I have spoken to her in depth about all of these things. If you have any words of wisdom or advice, of any kind, I would be so, so appreciative. Well, thank you for that. Um, your post is filled with so much love. And I just, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I feel your love and concern for your daughter. My first thought, though, honestly, is that you are still being so hard on yourself. As you found better ways, you've changed. And that's growing with life. That's what we're here for. I trust that your daughter had the journey that she needed to have, and you're still clearly very connected and are already having discussions about everything. I would just say to keep doing that, keep being honest and open and share what has helped you and why you've chosen a new path and why you're wanting to leave behind those perfectionist pieces that didn't serve you. Trust that she can carve out her own path and find her own way with your love and support. See her with those eyes, not of lacking or having missed out, but eyes knowing that she's exactly where she needs to be and that you know she's got this. She will see that in your eyes and your heart and treatment, and it will help her as she steps out more on her own. What a beautiful journey. Don't take yourself out of this moment in front of you now to worry about the past or regrets. Move forward with all the new tools, the newfound joy and connection, because that's going to serve all of you. And 
Uh, yes, I'm going to say the same thing, only in a different way. <laughs> um, and Jessica, I just really wanted to embrace you from afar. Um, so here I am offering you a warm, understanding hug. I hear you and all is well. It really is. And it's so important that you let go of yesterday. It feels like such a huge weight on you. Uh, you know, Anna said this, a weight in the form of guilt. And it's only getting in the way of any joy and connection you could be making. And even like when you said, um, now I, her mother, her rock, have changed too for the better, but I'm not the same person. I, I think that's showing, uh, you know, the weight that you're owning, but you're not the same person. That's okay. We're not supposed to be the same people. Um, you know, the energy can be shifted to knowing that your growth is absolutely good and right and something to be celebrated. And I feel like you're still healing from all that you were handed in your younger years and your childhood and when you first moved and everything. And so to understand that, um, this new discovery you've found of who you are is really truly to be celebrated is a wonderful step to your healing and truly being who you are meant to be. As I said, we're here to grow and shed who we were yesterday in order to become the more fully evolved versions of ourselves all the time. So, uh, you know, I would stand tall and say, I am not the same person I was because I have grown and evolved into this person I am meant to be. And I am still growing and evolving each and every day. I am a sensitive human being and I embrace and celebrate those qualities about myself. I want you to know I know exactly what you're talking about. I am a highly sensitive and was told to stop being that way as a child. So, you know, I've had work to do to fully learn to love and celebrate myself exactly as I am. And it is truly necessary and amazing work. Um, my session in our Childhood Redefined Online Unschooling Summit focuses on that work. It's an intensive session to healing and knowing yourself. And many people have been able to shed their past pain from doing that work that I offer. And so over here is your daughter. She's also doing the work of becoming who she is, also simply being who she is. She's doing this in her own way with the tools that she has, and you can't go back and change that, and that's why all is well. So now I want you to look at the sentence that you wrote. She is needing to relearn how our relationship works now, too. To me, this feels like a lot of work and, and and kind of an expectation that you're handing to her. It feels like you feel she has the obligation to learn who you are now and how to navigate your relationship. And I don't think she needs to have any of that in her life. Um, as Anna was saying, you can simply show her who you are now by being who you are. And you can live in a place of just such goodness where who you are now is deeply in love with and fascinated by and interested in this person that she is now. Because what has not changed between the two of you is the fact that you are her mother and she is her daughter. And oh my goodness, yes, that is one of the most precious things in your life, being her mother. And that's all you need to convey to her, that you are interested in knowing her. And I completely understand that because of your earlier years, you may be wary of letting your guard down with who you are now. You've been told that you are not right to simply be who you are. And that was a lie. I want you to know that. You are perfection when you embrace who you are. Now is the time to know that and heal that. So my concern is that in your protection of yourself and your beautiful, sensitive spirit, you might be holding back on truly giving all that you can give to your daughter. You fear that you handed her things that have made her life difficult, and yet now is the time to know that because you have become who you want to be, the mother that you want to be, that nothing can take that away. You are no longer the victim of other people's opinions and words and criticisms anymore. You are the creator of your own life, of your own story, of who you are, and nobody can take that away. And so you don't have to guard yourself anymore. You don't have to protect who you are now because you simply are. And in this new space of your glorious beingness, you can see that you have so much love and goodness and joy to share. 
And I want to remind you that you are whole. And so you can give so much of yourself to your daughter and not lose one tiny bit of who you are. You can be the one jumping into knowing who your daughter is now and loving and celebrating everything about her. In fact, you will become even more of who you are in the space of this amazing new connection and relationship with your daughter. I really just want you to celebrate who you are as fully as you can because you're free. You are whole and there are infinite possibilities ahead of you in each moment. You can let go of past pain and give of yourself and live and love in a place of joy and allow others to shine in your light, too. I, your daughter doesn't have to learn who you are. It would be freeing and so rewarding for you to simply be who you are now and give her the gift of a joyful, happy, weight-free relationship that focuses on her and her joy and the things that make her shine. That's how she, how she will see how to live without the weight that you feel she has picked up from you. Just be who you are now and dive into the things that make her who she is focusing on her shine. Pam? Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for your question. Um, the, the one thing that jumped out at me was when you mentioned that um, you felt like your daughter has been shortchanged um, because she's been away while you guys have been embracing and diving deeper into unschooling. What jumped out at me was that, no, she was off doing the things that she chose to do. She was working. She was at this um, college, going to acting school, loving it. Um, she was hanging out with friends. You know, that's part of the celebrating our children, right? You can see the the joyful things that she's doing in this moment and celebrate those awesome things with her. You create the future by being who you are now. So each time you have the opportunity to engage with her, you know, as you say, your relationship is good. You're going to have these moments and bring yourself, the person that you are now, to those moments. Um, my kids were in school for a few years, and I do understand, you know, that guilt, um, what helped me as I was processing through that was the realization that there really was no value in holding on to that guilt and seeing everything today through that lens of the past, um, because literally it is not helping you to help her. It's getting in the way and making things harder. So yes, when that guilt would kind of bubble up inside me, you know, I would acknowledge it, understand where it's coming from, and then take the next step and realize that it's getting in the way of me engaging in this moment with my children. So that was kind of like a mantra for a while almost. And that helped me um, move through it and quickly and get be able to sink into the moment with my child, my children. <laughs> and remember to give things time. As you said, she's slowly trusting the new ways and sees how much better things are and realize that you yourself are a shining example to her that things can change. So, you know, just love her and support her as best you can in each moment. And again, focus on each moment. Don't overlay any expectations on top about how long it might take, because really, as you know, Anne and Anna have both said there is no end. We're all learning and growing and changing our whole lives every day. And each day we bring who we are today to um, each moment and to how we engage with all the people in our in our lives. Just as you're doing with um, your husband and your boys who are at home, bring that same self to uh, your interactions uh, with your daughter. So, yeah, I think it's it's um, doing that work to process through the guilt so that it's easier to bring yourself into each moment with her and um, releasing any expectations on the future as to what you think it should look like um, someday or someday soon. And just because both of those all those things, they take you out of that moment. Right. They take you out of realizing who you are because all those other things are skipping in your mind and you can't release and focus and just be in it, be in that moment with them. Um, 
anyway, I think that was it. Anybody else have anything to add? And I'll, or I'll move on to the next question. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> this question is from Abby in Chicago. <clears throat> she writes, we live in Chicago with our three and six-year-old boys. We are pretty new to unschooling, but enjoy reading Sandra Dodd, John Holt, and listening to your podcast. We've been trying more and more to let go of rules, control, uh, focus on our children's interests, and cultivate nurturing relationships with them. The majority of the unschooling philosophy resonates with us, but we are struggling in one area in particular, screen time with our six-year-old. I really want to let go of the regulating and not be this person in his life who is just there to say yes or no. I want him to be able to learn to regulate himself, but I harbor my own anxiety about the hours that he is at the screen. He mostly plays games on his personal tablet or watches videos, but he is not like my three-year-old who will watch or play on his tablet for a couple of hours and then move on to other things. My six-year-old can be on his tablet or watching TV all day. When it is time to go somewhere, he is able to turn it off and engage with us in an in an activity. He does have other interests and moves in and out of things like researching sharks, but if we are at home, it is what he most wants to do. He will talk constantly about it, say things like, I only want to play with my tablet, or all I can think about is my tablet. I try to engage him in other activities at home like Legos or games, but this usually only lasts a few minutes before he is asking for his tablet again. When he is overwhelmed or anxious, he asks for his tablet. Sometimes he says, the only thing that can make me feel better is my tablet. It makes me sad and anxious to hear him say that, like his tablet is, is his only way to manage his feelings. Sometimes I feel like on the days that he is on his tablet a lot, that later on he is extra cranky or has trouble falling asleep, sometimes saying that he can't stop thinking about the games he plays. Or is that all in my mind? We are all very close, and he is a very sweet and kind boy. He is very sensitive to the point of some sensory processing issues, but nothing that interferes majorly with his functioning, just something that I pay attention to and try to help him learn how to manage. So, is the tablet thing solely my own anxiety that I need to address myself, or is there anything to the growing body of evidence that there are negative effects at being at screens for multiple hours a day? Do I go totally hands-off and not worry that there is a long-term negative crutch-like relationship being formed with his tablet? Or is there ever a time when some limiting and parental management is a good idea? Thank you for your time. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for your question. I thought it was really fascinating. And, uh, you know, quick answer, no, don't go totally hands-off. But here's the really important thing that I'm going to be focusing on. Don't go to parental management either. Go to that beautiful space in between those two extremes, which is engagement. And by engagement, I mean have conversations with him about things. Like when he says, this jumped out at me, the only thing that makes me feel better is my tablet. Don't focus on the tablet part. That's the tool he's chosen to deal with his feelings, and it's the one that's working best for him right now. But focus on the root of the challenge, the overwhelmed part. So what's feeling overwhelming? Why? Are there things you can do to help head off that overwhelm before it hits? Are there ways to manage his environment so he doesn't feel overwhelmed as often? And the other clue that more engagement will be really helpful for you guys is noticing that all your conversations, you and his comments, are all about, quote, the tablet. So think about taking them deeper. As I mentioned, the tablet is just the tool, the doorway. It's what he's doing with the tablet that helps him feel better, right? Dig deeper to learn more. What is he actually engaging with? What videos, what TV shows, what games, what does he enjoy about them? I promise you that you will learn so much more about your child and then embrace and celebrate those things with him. The tablet is the doorway. What's on the other side? Another thing that jumped out to me was I was asking myself as I was reading, what if he had complete access to his tablet? then he wouldn't even have to ask you for it. Again, you want to get rid of being the yes-no person. I think that in itself will decrease his anxiety overall, his all I can think about is my tablet comments. If his tablet is always at hand, all that goes away. 
then he can finally start thinking about the real questions like, do I want to play a game on my tablet or play with the Legos? Then he has a true choice. And it's then that he'll be learning so much about himself. And then how about revisiting that idea of a negative crutch-like relationship? What do you really mean by that? Do you mean support? Like actual crutches are very helpful for people who are having a hard time walking, right? What if these are tools that can help us move through challenging, overwhelming times? You know, if we think of it that way, that doesn't make them, that doesn't make them bad, right? You know, a crutch is useful. Um, maybe other than instead of thinking of it like a crutch, what if you think of it like a, like a loving security blanket, you know, that brings some peace and comfort in overwhelming moments. So once you and your son are talking about the root of his overwhelm, rather than just the one tool that he's finding helpful right now, and he sees that you're entirely supportive of his tool of choice. So now you've got that relationship trust there, right? He knows that it's okay what he's doing. He doesn't have to feel that the the tool that he's using in the moment is uh, being looked down upon. He will at this point likely feel more comfortable exploring some other tools as well to see if he finds them helpful. Then maybe he'll have two tools. And then again, in a moment of overwhelm, he'll have a choice. Um, and also along the same time, you guys will be paying attention to his environment to seeing if you can tweak things so that they are less often overwhelming and that he is in need of coping tools less often. And again, spend lots of time with him as he enjoys his games and videos on his tablet so that you understand, you know, it's not the tablet, what he's doing. So now you'll be understanding what is bringing him joy. It's not the tablet itself. It's when he turns it on and when he uses it. Once you understand his joy, you'll be able to dive in and celebrate that with him. And in doing so, you'll be celebrating him and his choices. Because the ultimate goal of all this exploration with him is not to reduce his tablet use. It's to get to know him better and to help him discover ways to minimize and process those overwhelming moments that you're worried about. You may find that once he has relaxed access and his tablet use fades from feeling like a need to becoming a true choice, he may still continue to choose it regularly. Maybe he just enjoys the things that he can do with it more than his younger brother does. And that's totally okay, too. And I just wanted to mention, uh, you talked about the growing body of evidence about negative effects. I know I can share links to a growing body of evidence about the positive effects. So instead of relying on experts, I think what helps us most is to observe and engage in our own lives with our own children and learn these things for ourselves. Because remember, most of these studies are not done on unschooling children and their lives are so very different. Their relationships with their parents are so very different. So, you know, figure these things out and explore how these, uh, all these different tools and activities and uh, things relate in our lives with our children and the joy that it brings them. Anna? So not surprisingly, a lot of the same things jumped out at me. And I do just want to say it one more time to really look at that language that we're using, because when you say screen time or even his tablet, it doesn't give you or us a full picture of actually what is engaging him. What is he watching or doing? What does he love about it? There's so much room there for you to understand a lot more about him and what he loves, just like Pam was saying. And I'd also look at patterns and it sounds like you've done that a bit you know he uses it at home and it also seems to help him when he's anxious seeing how he uses the tool gives you an insight into what's going on with him and if there are things you can do to make the environment less stressful and Pam touched on that too but I can't really imagine ever wanting to take away a tool of comfort from a person 
Um, you mentioned that he does go outside and he engages in these other activities with you. And it sounds like he enjoys that time engaging in the games and videos to decompress after he's been out and about. And that is so, so common, especially if you tend to if he tends toward being an introvert. So maybe just be aware of that. If you have a different if you're more of an extrovert, that may seem more foreign to you. But it's very common for me to go out and enjoy being out in the world and then come home and curl up with the book or go straight to my my computer and kind of shut the world out. Um, I would try, you know, to set aside the outsized noise about this topic. And just like she said, the experts saying this or this or that, and just watch your child engage, learn more about what he loves, and then use that place of deeper connection and knowledge as a base for further discussions if needed. And I think you'll find it just flows from this really organic place of connection versus a top-down or an outside influence or expert-oriented opinions. You know, you and your connection with your child, that's what will guide you. Anne? Um, yes. <laughs> the Are you still laugh, there? The going laughing is hilarious. I know. <laughs> so you just say, you hear the same things in in Pam language, and you hear it in Ann language, and then you hear it in Ann language. So it's wonderful. Um, Abby, I am the mother of a 27-year-old who experiences anxiety. He is highly sensitive. He's an empath. He has sensory processing challenges. And he's always been filled with such a deep kind of knowingness and understanding of the world that often that world is just too much for him. And man, I can relate to that. Because he's lived a life where he knows it is good and right to follow the things that bring him joy, he, with my assistance, learned what it was that he needed in order to find relief from the weight that he carried on his shoulders, the weight of the world. And we actually created our entire lives (laughs) in the direction of, you know, bringing relief and joy um, to Jacob's heavy heart at times. He loved playing his games because they brought him that joy and relief. And I always did what I could, as I said, to get him to help him get to the place of finding that joy and relief from anxiety, relief from weight of the world. And how could I have chosen otherwise? How could I have ever resented that thing that brought my delightful, intuitive, highly sensitive, creative, brilliant son joy and relief from feeling uh, the weight, from wanting a wonderful distraction from what feels like weight to him from the world. And same thing as Anna said, going out, um, highly sensitive people, or introvert, whatever, uh, you know, we get home to our 10 acres on top of a mountain. <laughs> we are so happy to be home and alone again. And uh, yeah, we go straight to something that feels good. Um, so yeah, we've, this, this is our unschooling lives. We've always walked toward the things that have made our children feel good. And I've always helped them get more of that, which allows them to feel good because we know for sure that's the place where we are meant to be in joy. Uh, you know, I, I just, I love the word enjoy because that's what it means in joy. If you get to that place of enjoyment, that's where we're meant to be, you know, free from carrying any weight, walking in the direction of getting more of those things that make us feel good. So that alone is a reason for you to let go of the judgment and weight you're handing to your son with your definitions of really who, what he should be doing and uh, who he should be and how he should be. But another reason is because I do feel he's highly sensitive, as you said, and he can feel this judgment and uh, this disapproval when he's happily engaged um, in his games on his tablet or whatever he's doing on the tablet. So that is just more weight that is being handed to him that his, uh, you know, beingness doesn't really need. And also, 
as um, Pam was saying, uh, I, it's clear that he's not able to have his tablet all the time. So there's a fear of one time him asking for his tablet and you saying no. So that's a huge, huge weight that he's carrying all the time. The thing that makes him feel good. So, you know, you want to remove that weight from his shoulders. And as I said in the two previous questions, jump into his joy with him. I don't think Anna and Pam said that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they missed that point entirely. But I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, jump into that joy with him. You uh, free him from any anxiety that you may have been handing him um, about doing that which he loves to do. And you'll learn about what he's doing. You'll discuss it with him in an enthusiastic and interested way because he is your child and you are interested in everything he is interested in. Do you feel how joyful that feels and how light and floaty that feels? I mean, I feel like I could fly. That feels so wonderful. And instead of the being weighted down with judgment and fear. So, you know... Most of all, look at the tablet itself and make peace with that. <laughs> I, you know, you might want to say, I'm sorry, tablet, I was judging you. Um, <laughs> give yourself a pivot to deeply appreciating that thing in your son's hands. What a gift it is to his beingness, to his sensitive spirit. It's this tool that your son knows to go to to help him when the world feels like too much to him. My goodness, that is a beautiful thing. And then when your son knows that you are supportive of him feeling good and you would not take that feeling away from him for anything, then he will be able to release the fear of your judging him and there will be less weight on him. For my son's 27th birthday in September, my husband and I chipped in with Jacob's fiance to buy him a Nintendo Switch. And <laughs> I have tears in my eyes because I know for sure and I'm so happy that when the world feels too much for him, he goes straight to his games to find joy and relief and just downright fun, you know? Doesn't that feel great? Isn't that wonderful? I love that. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. Because again, you know, these are, I feel like I say it over and over again, but but these are the roots of being human, right? It, it's not dependent on age. These aren't even things just for kids, right? Exactly. We're trying to figure out what, what makes us comfortable and, and not even bringing that judgment into our own lives when we find these tools that work for us or feeling guilty about um, those choices. And so, it's, anyway. it's going back to question one with how we spoke about the foundation for this child is – uh, deep love and respect from his family. And so, you know, when you're looking at this thing that is of great value to your child's peace of mind and peace of heart and saying, I don't like that, you know, that's the shift that has to happen to finding, uh, going to a place of respect for that so that the child um, can see the rest of the world through those eyes from the foundation where he and what he values is deeply respected. Yes. Yep, I love that. Okay, question number four. I'm going to take on the second question this month. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yay! Uh, this is an anonymous question. Um, I'm a dad of two awesome kids, three and five, and recently came across unschooling. While I'm continuing to learn more about it, I'm having trouble enacting what I'm learning. I've always been considered the, quote, easygoing parent, and I get a lot of pushback from my partner saying I'm just being lazy and letting them walk all over me. I don't feel like that at all. To me, I'm trying to let them learn and explore when and where they want. It's become a source of discord among us, but when I try and teach her what I've learned, I'm told that since I'm away all day, I don't know what really works. She also went to school for education and feels that her studies make her the more qualified parent when it comes to teaching the kids. I disagree with the traditional style of parenting and see huge differences in their behavior depending on how they're being parented. My son in particular struggles with traditional boundaries of specific mealtimes and bedtimes, and both often turn into hour-long crying sessions as he's forced to stop playing and conform to what's convenient. I also have concerns for my daughter, who is in kindergarten and already counts down to the weekend. I hate to see them both struggle every day. 
Occasionally, my partner will recognize a difference in behavior, but just chalk it up to them missing me during the day and not because I let them dictate their own behavior and preferences. I'm not sure what to do going forward. I feel like unschooling is something both kids need, but I'm not sure how to give it to them without the ability to be a stay-at-home parent or change my partner's views. Thanks for any insight. Struggling dad. Well, thanks so much for your question. I really appreciate it. Um, and you know what? When I was reading it, what jumped out me at me the most was the possibility of framing this as a parenting discussion, not a schooling or unschooling discussion. Um, as you say, you see huge differences in their behavior based on how they're being parented and the issue of um, education is is also being brought in through you know, your wife's, uh, I assume she has a teaching degree or whatever. Um, but all, all, all the stuff that you're talking about, the examples that you're sharing are all parenting things. They're not unschooling things. So I was thinking maybe start with conversations around attachment parenting. Um, you could both read and chat about Alison Gopnik's book, um, The Gardener and the Carpenter, what the new science of child development tells us about the relationship between parents and children. I know uh, Emma and I talked about that book on uh, an episode a while ago, so I'll share that link in the show notes as well um, for anyone who's interested. Uh, maybe subscribe to Scott Noel's Daily Groove emails as conversation starters. Um, you might also get some good ideas from my Learning is Learning blog post, which I'll link to too, but just read through it from a parenting perspective rather than an unschooling perspective. Because being confrontational and trying to convince another person they're wrong or trying to teach another person, as the way you put it in your question, does not create a great environment for learning. It makes the person feel defensive and shuts that learning down. And that's what you're seeing. So instead, truly understand and validate her perspective. Choose to step out of that power struggle that you guys seem to be caught in. You can meet her where she is. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to make the same parenting choices, but see that her choices are rooted in a deep love for your children, as are yours. So that's where you can meet her. That is where you guys can connect. And eventually, unschooling can, may, will probably come back into the conversation. It just seems like at this point, parenting styles is your bigger concern. And then that takes the whole school question out of the out of the equation for now, which is just fine because you want to um, work with her on on coming to um, some consensus or at least understanding of each other on parenting choices, right? Because that will be an ongoing conflict if uh, you know you don't do some work there, and that's not going to be helpful for your kids either, right? Um, <clears throat> oh, and if you haven't yet listened to my conversation with Robert Gottlieb, which was episode 93, I'll share that link too, because he found unschooling and brought it into his family. And he shared some great thoughts around that in our conversation as well. And his suggestion to not do it the way that he did it. <laughs> uh, and, and he's open to, uh, especially unschooling dads, but anybody reaching out to him on Facebook as well to discuss that further. Um, Anna? Yeah, so I, I mean, I just, again, thanks for the question, because I think it is one that's probably spins around there sometimes. Um, I think it can be really hard when partners aren't on the same page. So I just wanted to let you know that we hear you with that and hear your frustrations about that. Um, but the cool thing is all of the skills and connection that we talk about with our children work with our friends and partners too. You know, it's the foundation of how I operate in the world and all of my relationships. So active listening, validation, open lines of communication, not going into a discussion with a set outcome. You know, all those things are so key when it comes to relating to one another. I'm guessing that she's probably feeling defensive right now. You know, being the main caregiver for young children is a full-time job. And if you can focus on listening and validating where she is and what she's experiencing, that can really open the lines of communication that seemed 
closed right now. And when you get there, when you get to that place where she's truly feeling heard and understood, then I think you'll have you'll see sparks of interest and in learning more, or getting your perspective, or finding out the things that have been sparking an interest in you. You know, as Pam mentioned, she has tons of resources on her website, some of the books she's mentioned, and podcasts. Um, our Childhood Redefined Summit will be opening up again after the first of the year. And I think what would be cool about that is it's something that you could do together. So I think it's a place of where you're starting together and learning going forward, whether it's attachment parenting information or things about unschooling or, you know, just your journey. I think that could be something that brings the two of you together. You know, I think it's just being open and staying connected will help you both. You know, we talk a lot about not pushing our own agenda with our kids. It's really the same here. Listen, connect, grow together, learn from each other. And um, yes, I have nothing more to add. You guys <laughs> said it all and it was said perfectly and wonderfully and not even in my own language because <laughs> it was very good. I agree. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And that is our last question for this month. I want to thank you both so much for answering questions with me. It's so much fun. And just a reminder that there are links in the show notes for the things that we've mentioned in this episode. And as always, if you'd like to submit a question for the Q&A episode uh, show <laughs> once a month, just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast and click on the link. Have a great day, everybody. And wait, I just want to say one more thing. <laughs> sorry. Sure. <laughs> you turn I hope already. they're still here. <laughs> if it's not off, I just want to say um, congratulations to Pam for her 100th podcast episode. It's really cool that it happens to be the three of us together, but I am just so grateful for the work that she's doing and I know how many lives she's touched and I am grateful to be a part of it and just yay. Congratulations. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think we know all the lives she's touched because the ripple effect is just so incredible and we only see and hear of pieces of it. And thank you, Pam. <laughs> Oh, oh, thank you so much, guys. That was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the first book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life. In it, I share the five paradigm-changing ideas that most help me better understand unschooling. Reviewers have said, A quick read, but packed with ideas that challenge the dominant paradigm of our failing approach to learning, this little gem makes an excellent argument for unschooling. And, I was rather doubtful about this book, as I had never heard of the author, but after reading it, I wish that I had read it years ago. I hope you find it helpful too. Free to Learn has also been translated into French and Spanish. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family. <laughs>